Well, hello there. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to Your Money and a Cup of Joe. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and as always, I have the star of our show and my right-hand man, that's Joe Kaleo of UBS. He's going to be jumping aboard with me, and we're going to be unpacking another wealth management topic on the show, as we typically do. And today, we're going to be looking at a topic that we haven't covered too heavily by any means on this show, and it all stems from the idea of divorce. So specifically, when we look at divorce rates in the U.S., encouragingly, the divorce rates have been falling for some time. But the sad fact remains that many marriages don't work out in today's day and age. So Joe and I are going to be examining some different ideas and some different options for protecting financial assets in the event that you or perhaps a loved one or somebody you know has a relationship that or a marriage that ends in, in divorce. So we're going to be identifying these strategies and solutions and then unpacking the value that lies within each one of them. But first, let's go ahead and say hi to the man of the hour. Joe, good to see you today. How are you doing, sir? Ryan, doing great. Great to see you. Great to be here. Tough topic today. We like to do upbeat things, but it's also realistic. It's an important topic, so I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah, there's no denying, Joe. Uh, divorce is an uncomfortable topic. Nobody likes to talk about it. Uh, and it's, you know, there's obvious reasons that it's uncomfortable. And, you know, Joe, whether or not someone, uh, you know, goes through a divorce, these are strategies and things that we're going to be talking about today that are just, it's just beneficial knowledge to have. Uh, Joe, the idea of divorce, again, not an exciting one to talk about, but it is one that couples should be considering and maybe talking about and factoring in to wealth planning overall, isn't it? Set the scene for us. Yeah, marriage, Ryan, obviously one of the biggest milestones, but unfortunately, like you mentioned, for so many couples, so is divorce and not a pleasant milestone. It's probably short-sighted to completely ignore the possibility of divorce. I know we're thinking very positively. We're not going in thinking about divorce when you're getting married. But when you're thinking about your wealth and assets, you might need to think about all the possibilities, even briefly, and what are the options. And by that way, it applies not just to couples getting married, but also to the parents and the grandparents of those couples. And we'll talk about that. Sure, sure. But Joe, I want to address kind of a or maybe a devil's advocate moment, if you will. What about the idea of of somebody going into wealth planning with the idea of divorce or separation in mind? Would, could that increase the probability of of divorce happening? You know, what's what's your thoughts around this? Yeah, you'd like to think it won't increase the possibility, but you have to agree that it is a possibility. So conversations around divorce and money can be emotionally charged. And so some people just say they foster suspicion and distrust right from the get-go going into marriage and making divorce more likely. Others, though, believe, Ryan, that, that it helps to create clarity that ensures everyone understands the rules regarding who gets what later on, if in turn it can help the divorce process go more smoothly. It's probably more more likely addressing and resolving certain financial matters going into the matter and into the marriage, but it may head off a nasty dogfight in the end as well. No, absolutely, Joe. So let's let's get into the the details here today. What are some of the asset protection strategies to consider if you're getting married soon, or maybe your son or daughter is heading down the aisle soon? What what should be at the top of somebody's mind? A good place, Ryan, to begin is understanding some of the basics. And let's start with premarital assets, which are generally assets that exist that you bring into the marriage. 
and they're viewed versus post-marital assets that are created or enhanced after a wedding. So in general, property you bring into a marriage, let's say inheritance from a family member or business, remains yours. Likewise, an inheritance that you receive during a marriage is generally treated as your own property, separate from your spouse. That means in both cases, the court is unlikely to demand that that inheritance be divided between you and an ex-spouse upon divorce. Separate property, premarital property commonly includes property you brought into the marriage, gifts to one spouse from any source, and awards from lawsuits. Now, in contrast, marital property, as the term suggests, is most personal property and real estate you acquire while you are married. And that includes income you earn from your job. So, Joe, before we double-click deeper into this idea of, of different property here, I would imagine those distinctions and those rules around the property can differ, you know, kind of differ based on the state or the area that you live in. Am I correct in saying that? Very much so, Ryan. So that's important. So, for example, laws in some states will include a person's separate property with the couple's marital property and consider all of it eligible to be divided up in a divorce. So, yes, there is a rule of thumb about marital versus non-marital assets is that it's a rule of thumb. In the event you're thinking about these issues, it is best to consult with a legal expert or someone who's very knowledgeable in this area in your state and who's got knowledge of what is and isn't allowed in your geographic area. Perfect. So thank you for clearing that up, Joe. So now to double click a little deeper uh, with this idea of marital assets in mind, Joe, are there any important uh, concepts or rules surrounding them that you find that people don't fully understand and that they probably should uh, in, and get up to speed on these? Yeah, I don't know if people have to try to become experts on the subjects, Ryan, but it's certainly good to have a base or working knowledge, a general working knowledge on some of it, right? So for example, there's something called a transmutation risk. When non-marital assets become marital assets in the eyes of the courts because of certain circumstances occurring. So let's say you and your spouse each have separate bank accounts, right? From before the marriage. Great. But such accounts can be considered non-marital assets unless you contribute money to your spouse's account after you're married. At that point, accounts could be considered commingled and can be seen as marital assets that were divided up between ex-spouses. So be careful there. It's There's also a related concept of active versus passive assets. Assets that increase in value because you and your spouse took some action are considered to be active. For example, you spent money to improve the home that you live in, which you own prior to the marriage. In that case, the house can become a marital asset. By contrast, passive assets are those that increase in value despite your activities because of developments that are out of your control, such as a strong real estate market in your area boost the value of your home, or if in a bull market, your stock portfolio increased. Passive assets that are separate usually stay separate property. 
I appreciate that clarification there, Joe. So I want to dig in now kind of to the the strategies themselves, at least the asset protection part of the uh, the conversation today. What are some of those strategies on the table to, if you will, build a moat uh, around your separate assets and better ensure that they stay separate uh, and remain in your wallet in the event that an unfortunate divorce does take place? Yeah, I think one of the things everyone expected us to talk about, we will hear now, is a prenuptial agreement, right? An option immediately comes to mind for most people, which formally specializes in dividing which property remains with you in the event you get divorced. So speaking very generally, it can make sense to consider a prenup or a prenuptial agreement in certain situations. So for example, you have children from a previous marriage. Well, a prenup can spell out your expectations for how your children from that past marriage will be provided for financially from your estate. This can prevent an ex-spouse from claiming assets that you want specifically to go to those children. Or say you have a significant amount of wealth more than your spouse-to-be. If a significant financial imbalance exists, a prenup can formally detail which assets remain separate in the event of divorce. Or perhaps you can just expect an inheritance down the road. Remember, we talked about generation or two up from you. That prenup can help to ensure that the assets you receive from family while you're married remain yours post-divorce. One often overlooked reason, though, to consider a prenup is if you're part of a family business. A prenup here can help secure the interests in the family business that you bring into the marriage as well as ownership interest you gain during the marriage. Without a prenup, you may need to hand over some ownership to an ex-spouse and or family members working in the company might find themselves becoming unwilling partners with someone they never thought they'd be doing business with. Mm, yeah, that's that's a good point, especially with the business side of things there, Joe. Uh, let's let's look even deeper, if you will, Joe. What are the tools and strategies that exist out there beyond the the typical prenup that many of us are are familiar with what, what else is out there yeah because a prenup can it's not going to be bulletproof ryan right so they can be contested they can be overturned some divorce experts even point to people to trust which can offer stronger asset protection in some cases one example is a domestic asset protection trust or dapt or d-a-p-t it can shield assets from both creditors and ex-spouses. So it's a domestic asset protection trust. It's irrevocable. And once you place trust assets in the trust, you can't take them back or revamp the trust itself. So it's a one-way avenue here. This puts assets out of reach of most claims and excludes those assets from the category of marital property. However, unlike most typical irrevocable trusts, you can name yourself as a discretionary beneficiary of a domestic asset protection trust, thereby giving you some level of control. Keep that in mind. That doesn't happen very often. Ryan, also important to remember, not all states allow trusts like this and the rules governing them vary from state to state. So it's imperative to create and fund a domestic asset protection trust before the marriage for it to effectively protect assets. So there's a lot to navigate here, and that's why we always say seek a second opinion or a proper uh, advisor to consider in this area. 
Yeah, there's no denying. I mean, that domestic asset protection trust is complex. There's a lot of layers going on there. So, so I'll I'll jump to the other side of the coin then, Joe. Are there any strategies that are perhaps less complex uh, for somebody to consider that might be maybe a little easier to implement, for lack of a better word? Absolutely. So we mentioned separate assets can easily become commingled with a little more than a few online transfers between bank accounts. Keep that in mind. But if you want to avoid turning a separate asset into a marital asset, consider some steps. Putting your money in a separate bucket. For example, don't merge inherited money into an account that includes your spouse's funds. Likewise, if you have your own premarital savings account, your risk of turning into a marital property is if you deposit your spouse's money in it. So keeping it separate all the time, no ins and outs with your spouse. And maintaining titles in just one name. So if you have a vacation home or another valuable asset that you acquired before getting married or remarried, keep the deed in your name. Don't add your spouse to it. And if you're concerned about protecting the property, keeping homes separate can become tricky. So for example, if you spend some of your separate inheritance on a home that benefits both you and your spouse, the house may be viewed as marital property in a divorce. So the best bet is to consult with a trusted attorney to see, is there another move that you can make to impact or avoid the impact that you don't want and impact the status of that property? I mean, Ryan, let's face it, right? Marriage and money are sensitive issues on their own, right? And then when you put the two together, it's even more so, right? So in this area, you've got to be potentially have the right advisors in place and the right strategy in place to do all of what you're trying to do. One more thing I want to mention, Ryan, which we really didn't cover, but it can be done. You can still do a post-nuptial agreement. They're not nearly as common. They're even more restrictive. We could probably do a whole other segment on just that. But again, in some places, it can be done. So there are avenues for you to go, and it's something for you to consider. Joe, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said marriage and money. I mean, they are sensitive issues. They're very complex. They can be sticky when they're commingled. It's it's a it's a tough, tough tightrope to walk sometimes. So for folks out there that are here in this conversation, they're obviously recognizing that these are some sensitive conversations and they would appreciate having an advisor alongside them to guide them through some of these these tough situations and to make sure that you know, their assets are protected to make sure that in the event of a divorce, things are going to be okay, you know, asset wise, protection wise, on the back end, what would be the best way, let's say if they wanted to reach out and open up a dialogue with you and your team just to discuss their unique circumstances, what would be the best way they could get in touch with you guys? Yeah, Ryan, it's, this is an important topic for any age. I stress that I've got a gentleman in his 90s who's getting a divorce as we speak. So it's unfortunate, but it happens. And so give us a call. We're happy to help. We're happy to try and align the right advisors with the right people along the way. Give us a call. Shoot us an email. We're happy to have a conversation. The call is free. Perfect, Joe. Uh, look, hey, you're a busy guy. You've got a lot of clients to serve, so we'll let you get back to doing that. But I appreciate you jumping on here today and and diving into a topic that, uh, again, it's it's not anyone's favorite topic to talk about, but it is one that is very worthwhile. And, uh, and I think we left a lot of value out there. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your insights, too. 
Of course, of course. And hey, look, folks, we want to take one final moment, as we always do, and thank you for jumping aboard and hanging out with us on the show today. If anything we said today on the show, uh, you know, any of the strategies that we recommended or discussed uh, resonate with you in any way, shape, or form, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you checked us out on today. That way you never miss out on another great episode where Joe and I unpack a different wealth management topic that could be beneficial to you and yours. But for Joe, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long now, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on Your Money and a Cup of Joe. This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated. UBS Financial Services Incorporated does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. This material is made available for use by CEG. Neither UBS Financial Services Incorporated nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services Incorporated is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC. Joe Kaleo at Kaleo Wealth Management Group, UBS Financial Services Incorporated. Office address 200 West Highway 6, Suite 400 in Waco, Texas, 76712.